just the opportunities that you give us, and we thank you that you have adopted us. We thank you that you saw us lost, and you did everything you could to reach out and and touch us and, and bring us home. So, Lord, we pray for each of us, God, that you would guide us and direct us, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds and our eyes. Father, that you would help us to see this this great call that you have upon uh, not only this body, but upon your church. And Lord, we just pray, God, that, Father, you would would just guide and direct, that you would lead us. Father, if you're speaking to our heart about adoption, also by the power of your Spirit, give us the, the boldness to overcome our fear and worries and step out in obedience. God, if you're calling us to pray or to support that you would help us, Lord, to be willing uh, just to step up and, and accomplish what your word calls us to do. And in it all and through it all, may you receive all the praise and the glory for what is done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open up to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. Today we're going to uh, wrap up the Gospel of John. As we take a look at what the Lord lays out for us, Jesus had told his disciples at this time to to go to his mountain in Galilee. He said, go to the mountain, you know, my mountain. Go to that place in Galilee. I'll meet you there. And uh, the disciples are going to have some time with Jesus prior to him telling them to go to Jerusalem and, and await the overflowing or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And what we see is if you, if you go to Galilee and you're there on the water, there is one mountain they call Jesus Mountain. It is this tall, huge viewpoint that overlooks the entire Sea of Galilee. If you get on top of this mountain, you can see it all. You remember Jesus telling his disciples, hey, I want you guys to go to the other side. And he withdrew to a mountain to pray. And while he was on that mountain, the Bible tells us he was watching his disciples. This would have been that mountain. Looking down on the Sea of Galilee and seeing them. So they had this word, hey guys, I'll I'll meet you at this mountain in Galilee. But look at chapter 21, verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Here's what happened. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. You ever felt like that? I mean, they've had kind of a, a long few days. Jesus was crucified. They've run the gamut of emotion, you know, highs, lows, And now Peter, he's thinking, you know, I don't know what to do. Well, Jesus said, go to the mountain. They're not going to quite make it to the mountain. They're going to make it close, though. And they decide, they look around, and he says, I'm going fishing. What you don't understand in this language is that Peter is saying, I'm going back to being a fisherman. Hey, my, uh, it's over, right? It's done. I'm going fishing. And all these disciples, they said, yeah, us too. Yeah, we're going too. 
The sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder, James and John, they went. Thomas, a twin, who had denied the Lord, uh, he went. You know, Nathaniel of, of Cana, the one who Jesus saw sitting under the fig tree, you know. All of those guys and two unnamed disciples. Why do you think the Bible said two other guys? Doesn't give us their names. I would say it's so that you and I can fit in this verse too. Because there's probably been a time or two in our lives where we have said the same thing. Where we have longed. Oh Lord, you know, it was kind of cool when, when I just used to come to church and that's all. But now I'm getting more involved or I'm getting in, involved in, in Sunday school or I'm getting involved in teaching opportunities. And I just want to go back to how it was when I was just a fisherman. I didn't have all those responsibilities or that expectation or, or you know, whatever things we, we can tell ourselves. We, just like Peter, can be guilty of saying, I'm going back to fishing. You guys coming? And these are the ones who went. They went with him. It says now, they, they, went, they said to him, we'll go with you also. And they went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. In the Gospel of Luke, at the beginning of the Jesus' earthly ministry, this exact same thing happened. The same thing happened when Jesus called all the disciples. They'd been out fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Now remember, Jesus said, go to my mountain. So probable, it's very probable that Jesus is up on that mountain and he's looking down and he sees his fellas. Oh, there they are. Oh, look at them toil all night and catch nothing. No, no fruitfulness that whole night. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there are often times when I go fishing that there's no fruit. <laughs> and sometimes there is fruit. Had a chance to go fishing with, uh, with Jason Richardson. We went out to uh, the, the little pond or whatever out by, by his place. And we're out there fishing and and uh, I, I was not catching, I was, I was feeding the fish. I wasn't catching them, but we were having a good time, you know. We were laughing about uh, how many hits I was getting and how few fish were getting in the boat from, from those same hits. So I, there have been other times I've gone fishing and nothing, not a nibble, not a, not a cotton-picking thing. That's how it was with you guys. I wonder if they thought, you know, this is how our life's going to be, you know. I mean, gosh, can we catch a break? It's like fruitlessness. Folks, if you're trying to go out and find satiation or satisfaction in anything that God has not called you to, you're not going to find it. Well, sure, you could have a great job and make a ton of money. But if that's not the place God's called you, you won't be satisfied. You may, you may be on the opposite side. You can't find anything. Nothing's working out. These guys were never going to be satisfied again fishing because God had called them. Jeremiah, when he was a young man, God called him and said, Jeremiah, I'm sending you out as a prophet. Now, he's just a kid. And the Lord said, Jeremiah, don't you be afraid of their faces. I'm going to tell you everything that you ought to say. And so Jeremiah went out as a youth, just sharing what God had laid on his heart. And all the people, everywhere he went, hated him for it. His whole life. 
One day Jeremiah got fed up. He said, Lord, you know, when you called me to this, when you called me to do this, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into. But let me just tell you, Lord, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm going back to whatever he did before he was a prophet. He said, I'm not going to speak the word again. And he left. And he tried to be quiet. But he found that he couldn't be satisfied doing anything else except what God called him to do. Folks, for every one of us, God's called you to something. But I, I don't know what it is, and I can't tell you, but, but you'll know. You'll know that area, that nagging part in your, in your heart that says, man, I should be doing this, man, I should be doing this. And you can squash it, and you can push it down in a box and put a lid on it, yell at it, shut up, stop talking to me, put it, put it away up in somewhere else. But God's not going to stop calling. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the callings and the giftings of God are irrevocable. He don't take them away. He's patient. He just waits. All night long while they were fishing, Jesus sitting up on that mountain looking at his disciples. Jesus had said, I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men, right? But don't we all have times, problems, issues in our life that cause us to want to draw back? But we don't want to draw back. We want to move forward. Guys, if we're not moving forward, if we're not consistently taking steps forward in, where, in the direction that God is leading us, we're falling behind. I, I don't know about you, but I believe time's short. And I never know how much time I'm going to have with any given person. I have no idea. I remember sitting down and, and sharing Jesus with, with a guy and thinking I had all kind of time to, to tell him about the Lord. I had all kind of time to, to help seal the deal. I had all this opportunity before me, only to find out that, that was the last time I was ever going to talk to him. I didn't know. Time's short. Bible says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might apply the heart of wisdom, that we might realize all we have guaranteed is right now. That's it. What are we going to do with what we have right now? That's what really matters. And, you know, Kathy was sharing a, a, a song with me the other day that talks about what, what happens if I really give everything I have? What happens if I do that? What happens if I don't just play games with the Lord? What happens if I put my whole heart into it? What happens? How are things different? How are things different in your life and in mine? That's what Jesus is calling us to. The abundant life. That's what he's calling us to. And, and may we answer the call. But for those of us, myself included, that have been out on the lake fishing when they ought not to have been, this chapter is for us. Look what he says. So they caught nothing that night. But when it was morning... And it had come, the sun rises up, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was him. They didn't recognize him. And Jesus shouted out to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. Uh, you guys all know the joke, right? It's the first time a fisherman ever told the truth. <laughs> hey, you catch any fish? No. Didn't catch any fish, you know. But again... This should remind us in the Gospel of Luke, 
In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is sitting in the boat with Peter and he preaches to the masses. And then he says, Peter, put the boat out to sea. Peter puts the boat out to sea. And the Lord says to Peter, hey, when you were fishing last night, did you catch any fish? Peter said, no. So the Lord says, well, let down your net again. And Peter's like, no, what's that going to do? I'm the fisherman, you're the preacher. Why don't you leave the fishing to me? But Peter's saying, okay, Lord, for you, I'll put down my net. So what happened? They caught so many fish, they couldn't even hold it in a boat. It was threatening to sink the boat. Keep that in mind. At the beginning, Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to him, from this day forward, I'll make you a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. So again, Jesus shouts to him from the crowd, hey, did you catch any fish? They shout back, no, we haven't caught any fish. And look what Jesus says. So he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, those of us who have actually fished, we do this kind of silliness, don't we? I'm casting over here. There are no fish over there. So I must need to cast over here. No fish over there either. I'll cast over there. That the guy right next to you can be in the same place you are, and he catches a fish. What happens? Oh, something wrong with my worm, my hook, my string, something right. Jesus shouts out to these guys who are fishing all night, just put the net on the other side of the boat. Guys, they fished out of a boat about as wide as these narrow pews. So that's dropping a net 10 feet over. Does that make any difference? Well, let me tell you what makes a difference. Obeying what Jesus says. Because when God calls, where God guides, he provides. I love that story of the folks that were sharing on adoption. They said, I don't know where the money came from. It just came. That's how it works, man. That's how it works. We don't have to say, I don't know what I can do. If God's calling me here, God's moving this way, I I don't feel like I can do it. You're not supposed to feel like you can do it. God's the one who does it. That's how he gets the glory. That's how he is glorified in and through it. So they're going to put the net on the other side. They're going to obey what Jesus said. As soon as they obey what Jesus said, look what happens. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. The disciple who Jesus loved, that's John. He remembers. Oh, yeah. You remember this story, Peter? This is how... It all began three years ago. That's the Lord. So he tells Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Now, does anybody else find that a little humorous? Because to me, you know, I'm out here fishing all day. I got hot, so I took off my jacket. And someone says, it's the Lord. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, water's a little cold. I'll put on my jacket and go swimming. (laughs) I don't know how much that helped, Peter. But that's kind of the way Peter was, right? Hey, it's the Lord. I don't know about you losers here. I ain't waiting in the boat. I'm going. So he picks up his jacket. (laughs) he, He buttons it all up and dives in and swims to the shore. So... Peter, I love Peter, he's that kind of guy, plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about uh, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Now, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a coal of fires there, 
Fish laid on it and bread. How many of you know that wherever Jesus is, what you need is already there? They were needing fish, but what did Jesus already have on a fire? Fish. He already had breakfast. Jesus already had everything. How many times have we figured out running out in the world trying to do our own thing, make our, make our lives make sense? How many times have we figured out all the while it was right here with the Lord? He had everything I needed. Man, wish I'd get that. How many times do we have to learn the same lesson? Many times as it takes. The good news is God's never going to be upset about it. He is far more patient than we are. So Jesus is there. Fish already laid on the fire. Breakfast is already prepared. But look at Jesus. He's not one to let their labor go unnoticed. He says, uh, he said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught. Hey, go get what you caught. Bring some more fish. We'll make some more. We got some here, but let's, let's put some of your fish on there too. So Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. Did you hear the part where the guy said they could barely get the net to the, to the water with the boat? And all of a sudden, Simon Peter by himself goes over, grabs the net, and pulls it onto land. Don't miss what just took place. Jesus said, Peter, get the fish. What they couldn't do all together before, Peter could do by himself. What was the difference? He's doing what God called him to do. If God calls us to do it, we'll be able to do it. Now, it doesn't mean we're not afraid. Peter might have all the way walked up to that net and said, I don't know what the Lord's talking about. These guys couldn't move it. I'm not about to be able to pull this net. Huh. Started looking at his arms. I've, I've been working out a little. I'm feeling strong. He pulled up those, those nets. And look what it says. They were full of large fish, 153. Don't you love it when the Bible gives us numbers? There must be a reason, right? Like, I don't know, uh, 153, 153. Maybe uh, if we take the 12 apostles and, and then we talk about the, the, the Trinity, that makes 15. What do we do with the other three? What did the other three? You ever hear people do that stuff? You know why he said they caught 153 fish? Because they caught 153 fish. We don't have to go crazy. It, sometimes it just means what it says. 153 fish. They pull up 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net wasn't broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. They knew it was Him, but there's still something different about Jesus. Still something different then. He's like, stands with His disciples and they look at Him and they go, I know this is the Lord. But it's not the same. It's not the same. It's okay. Even for the disciples, guys, their walk of faith became a walk of faith. Not of sight. It wasn't about what they saw. It wasn't about all of those things. It became about what they knew. I know it's the Lord. I know it's Him. There have been times in our lives, hasn't there, where God's done something in our life, and we think about it and we go, I know that was the Lord. Oh yeah, it looked like this, this nice older fellow that pulled over and helped me when I was broke down, but 
I know it was the Lord. I know it was Him touching, guiding, leading, directing throughout my life. And that's what's going on here. Hey, they know it's Him. They're not going to ask. Some things don't change, right? Guys don't ask questions. We don't do that. We don't do that. Just the other day, we were working on one of the projectors in here was, was overheating, and we're trying to fix it. And Corey took it down, and he's over in the back, and, and he's looking at it and going through it. And up on the, up on the computer, he's got a, 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 he had found online a, a printout of, of the schematics of it, you know, so he's looking at the, the directions. And Jason and I, we come walking up, we see Corey working on this, this uh, projector with the instructions. And we were like, Corey, brother, what's going on? This is a loss of man points right here. <laughs> You're not supposed to work on it with the instructions in front of you. So Corey, being a great guy amongst a bunch of other guys, just reached over and flipped the page to some other page there. Now, that's directions for something else. So let's get back to what we're trying to do over here. That's the way it is for guys. Hey, we're not going to ask. We know. <laughs> Sometimes that's not doesn't turn out so good. <laughs> Reminds me of a story, but I'll save it. <clears throat> huh? Really? You don't know what story it reminds me of. <laughs> All right. The 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 fearless plans of mice and men. Anyway, Joseph was young. And he was playing a game at the house. He would play a game called hide it in the toilet. <laughs> he learned that the toilet, you know, things went around and it disappeared. And that was neat. So one day he put a fire truck down the toilet. The only thing is nobody knew that there was a fire truck down the toilet. And if you can imagine the fire truck, well, let's just say it was still there. You just couldn't see it. Which created a rather large clog that we just couldn't clear. Now, a smarter guy would have said, hey, I'm going to call a plumber because there's no way I want to get into this. But I'm a man. It's a toilet. How hard can it be to fix? So we take the toilet apart, take it out into the front yard, some hoses, you know, turn on the fire hydrant in the front there and Whoosh, blows out this this uh, fire truck. Oh, Joe, you're all right. So <laughs> we take the toilet back in the house, and and I go to put it back on, and I put a new little wax. You got to put new wax rings, you know. So I put a new wax ring in there, and I set the toilet on, and I tightened it up and pulled the bolt right out the floor. I didn't even know that was possible. But I pull the bolt right out. So then I take it off and I get the different parts that I need to fix that. So then I fix that and I put the toilet on and I bolt it down and then the tank starts leaking. The tank's leaking. So I take the tank off and I get new seals for the tank and I, I put new seals in the tank and while I'm carrying the tank back over to the toilet, I drop it. So now the toilet tank is busted in 100 pieces. But being a logical thinking guy, I think, well, I'll just go buy another tank. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> they don't sell it like that. So now i got to buy a whole new toilet. 
I got to take the old toilet off, and every time I take the old toilet off, I'm getting another wax ring, put another wax ring. It's a good thing those things are like a quarter or whatever. So I put another wax ring in there, and, and actually I didn't. At that point, when I dropped the tank, I called a plumber. Because this already cost me too much money. Come out here and, and, and finish this toilet for me. So he come out and finished the toilet. That's how guys are, right? That's how we are. We, how, many, how many projects have we started that ended up, whoa, that would have been cheaper to hire a contractor. <laughs> well, that's how they are. That's how these guys are too. Hey, they're just like us. The disciples are just like us. There's Peter with the Lord. Nobody's going to ask him who it is. So Jesus, he came and he took the bread and he gave it to him and likewise the fish. Now, this now is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Two things, two or three things actually had taken place that we might not notice. One, he's not calling him Peter. He's calling him Simon. Simon means shifting sand. Peter means the rock. Jesus is the one who changed his name from shifting sand to the rock, but now he's gone back. Peter's going back to that old life, right? Peter, are you you shifting sand again? And then he says to him, do you love me more than these? More than what? Well, how many times had Peter boasted about how he loved Jesus more than all the other disciples? And even if they all turn their back on you, Lord... I'll never turn my back on you. Isn't that what Peter had said? So Jesus says to him, Simon, shifting sand, do you agapeo me more than these? Agapeo is self-sacrificing love. Do you have that self-sacrificing love, Peter, that you proclaim so many times? Do you love me more than these? Scripture goes on, and he said to him, Yea, Lord, you know I love you. What we don't understand in the English is what he really says is phileo. Yea, Lord, I'm your friend. The Lord said, Peter, do you love me with a self-sacrificing love? And he said, I'm your friend. He couldn't boast anymore that he loved them more than everybody else. He couldn't boast anymore of this this self-sacrificing love. Had he sacrificed himself for the Lord? When that opportunity came, a little servant girl was all it took to get Peter to deny the Lord. Do you love me with a self-sacrificing love? Uh, Lord, you know I'm your friend. I'm your friend. And what did the Lord say to him? Feed my lambs. The first call he gives Peter, as he's standing there with Peter, and really what we're seeing is the restoration of Peter. Three times Peter denied, three times the Lord's going to ask him if he loves him. At the end of each comment, the Lord's going to give him a charge. The very first charge he gives him is feed my lambs. Feed the little ones. Feed my little kids. Take care of the children, Peter. They're my kids. 
Make sure they get fed. He's not talking necessarily about food. He's talking about teach the little ones the word. Share the word with them. The very first call is a call toward children's ministry. Hey, there's no better place to be than with a child saying to him, teaching him. How many of us still remember the songs we learned in Sunday school? And I still, still how I memorize verses. It's the same old silly songs that I thought were so lame. Now I, I know the Bible because there were men and women that were willing to hear this call to Peter. Feed the lambs. Take care of the kids. Scripture goes on. He said to him a second time, Simon, shifting sand, do you love me? Again the Lord says, do you agapeo me? Simon, shifting sand, son of Jonah. That brings a whole other thought to mind, doesn't it? Jonah. Stories of Jonah. Shifting sand, son of Jonah. Do you love me with a self-sacrificing love? Will you sacrifice yourself for me? Peter. And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I phileo you. You know that I am your friend. Oh, Lord, I can't say it. I can't say that because I can't do it. But I'm your friend. I'm your friend. And so the Lord gives him the second charge. Tend my sheep. That word tend, it means to shepherd means to shepherd. What's a shepherd do? He watches over the sheep. Takes care of the sheep. That the sheep are going to be okay. I had a, a friend one time was going through the, the hills of Tehachapi. And when he went through the hills of Tehachapi, he was struggling with some stuff. One day he just pulled over to the side and he's walking through the field. And as he's walking through the field, he gets on top of this hill. He looks down in this grassy meadow and there's a shepherd and a bunch of sheep. And the shepherd's sitting under a tree, got his stick. The, the sheep dogs are sitting on each side of him. And the sheep are out there eating. And what he could see from the top of this mountain, he could see that there was a couple of coyotes making their way over to where the sheep were. Now he could see that from where he was, but it didn't matter how much he hooted and hollered up on that hill. He wasn't close enough. The shepherd couldn't hear at all. Shepherd just sat there, and this guy was sure. He's sure. And that shepherd don't know what's going on, and the coyotes, are gonna, they're going to kill some sheep. And he's thinking about his own life, thinking about, isn't that how it is, Lord? I mean, sometimes I'm going through things, and I don't think you see. I don't think you realize what's happening in my life, what's going in my life. The, the predators of life, they're, they're coming in, and they're, and they're ripping me up. Where are you, Lord, in all this? And about that time... The shepherd took his stick and he pointed. And both dogs tore off after them coyotes and chased them out. All the while, the shepherd knew what was going on. All the while, God knows what's happening in our life. He's watching over. He's our shepherd. The good shepherd he gives his life for the sheep. But even more than that, he calls us to the same Shepherd the sheep, he says to Peter. Watch over them and protect them. And then it says now, 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this time it says, now, now Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? But in the English we miss it. The third time Jesus said to Peter, Peter, are you my friend? The third time Jesus came down to where Peter was. And Peter was grieved because the third time he said phileo instead of agapeo. Peter's heart was that he would be able to love God with a self-sacrificing love. But God knew he's not able to do it. And so he met him where he was. Peter, are you my friend? Peter was grieved in his heart. He's grieved and he said to him, he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. You know that I am your friend. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Watch over the sheep and feed them. The first call, feed the lambs. Tend the sheep, feed the sheep. Watch over, take care of my people. God is restoring Peter. But Peter's kind of bummed about the whole deal. Because Peter wants to be up here. But he's down here. Don't you and I in our Christian walk, don't we want to be up here? Don't we want to be like those great men and women of faith that we read about? Don't we want to be like the hero of the story and say, yeah, that's, that's me. I was, I was able to overcome and, and I could become that. Why do we read books about heroes, watch movies? Why do we do all that stuff? Because that's what we want to be. And in those books or in those movies, we can escape for a while and we put ourselves in the hero's shoes and we ask ourselves if we could have been able to do that. Well, here, that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, can you be the hero? I can't be it. I can't do it. I thought I could do it before, but I wasn't able. Maybe Peter's feeling a little bit low. And the Lord says to him in verse 18, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by the death that he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Way back in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, this whole story started with Peter fishing, the Lord helping him catch fish, and then the Lord saying, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Then we come to the middle of the story, really, not the end. We come to the middle of the story, same thing. Peter's still fishing. He hasn't gone all that far forward in the last three years. The Lord gives him a great catch of fish. He asks him three times, twice, will you have a self-sacrificing love for me? Peter says, no, I could just be your friend. Then the Lord says, well, will you be my friend? Peter says, you know all things, Lord, you know I will. And then God says to Peter, one day men are going to take your arms and spread them and make you go where you don't want to go. Peter One day you will die for me. See, Peter's whole heart... I know sometimes these, these concepts can sometimes be lost with women, but they are not lost with men. 
Peter, all his life, wanted to know if he would finally be brave enough, if he would stand before the crowds that were chanting to him, crucify him, if he could stand there in the face of all that and say, I will not deny my God. Lord, am I just going to deny you again? And God said to him, Peter, one day you're going to be crucified for me. He told Peter how he would die, and then he said to him, follow me. Peter, come with me. You're never going to be happy in this life. You're never going to be happy going back. I know you're upset and you're sad, but listen, in the end, you get to be the hero, Peter. In the end, you will be the hero. There's some space between now and then. Come and follow me. Come and walk with me. And so Peter, considering this and still being Peter, he turned around and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. And he, the one whom he, uh, Jesus had leaned on his breast at supper. And he had asked, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? It's John. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about him? Folks, we can never judge our walk with God by someone else's walk with God. We're not called to that walk. We're not called to live that life. We're not called to experience all the same things. There are some things you and I, we have to go through that are different. Because God's taking us down a different road, leading us to different victories, showing us different things. I can't look at a brother. I can't be Peter and say, the Lord saying, well, one day you're going to be crucified, but you're going to be the hero, John, you're going to, or Peter, you're going to make it, and then turn around and point at someone else. Well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Why are you worried about that? You follow me. Peter, you follow me. The same call goes out to us today. Will you follow the Lord? Yeah, maybe the path that you're on with God is not that rosy path full of of rose petals and shiny good mornings and it never rains and there's never a storm and the wind never blows. Maybe that's not the road God's called you to. And you look at someone else and you see, well, things are looking pretty good for them. What's up with that, Lord? The Lord would say to you the same thing he said to Peter. You come, follow me. This is your road. It's our walk. Will you walk that road with the Lord by your side? Will you go through whatever you have to go through? Will you come and follow me? Look what Jesus said. The Lord said to him, If I will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? If I want John to live until I return, what's that to you? Therefore, the saying went out among all the brethren that that disciple, John, was never going to die until the Lord returned. But he didn't say that. John's writing this. Jesus did not say that to him, that he wouldn't die. He just said, if I will that he remain. If I make a decision that he's going to live forever and you're going to die, what's that to you? You follow me. You follow me, Peter. You come. People might have looked at John and said, why? John's going to have an easy road. You may look at someone else and think their life is so much easier than mine. Peter's thinking, I'm going to be crucified. What about John? 
And indeed, that day would come when Peter would be crucified and he would say, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And he would be crucified upside down. He would give his life. He would bear witness to the truth of God. He would be a light. He would be the beginning of the movement of the church throughout the ages. All these things Peter would accomplish by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, not of himself. And he would die on the cross. And people might look at John and say, John wasn't martyred. You're right. John wasn't martyred. John was boiled in oil and he lived. John was sent out to the Isle of Patmos in seclusion to die the rest of his days where he still didn't die. Ultimately, he ends up in Ephesus as an old man, oh, oh, greater than 90 years old, 95, 96, some put him. He couldn't walk anymore, so the people would pick up John in a chair and they'd carry him into the front of the church and they'd set down this guy who at one time was called a son of thunder and he would tell the people, little children love one another. John was called to a different road than what Peter was called to. The Lord's with them both. The call that God is making to us Will you come and follow me? Will you come with me? Whatever the call is, whatever the road. We, we heard some stories today. People who adopt, people who are in foster care, people who help support, people who pray, people who teach Sunday school, people who are ministering to kids, ministering to youth, ministering to homeless. I mean, you name it. There are people everywhere doing what God's called them to do. It's not all the same. We're not all cookie cutters. The question that God has for you and me is, this is what I called you to. Will you come and follow me? Will you do what I am calling you to? Verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know his testimony is true. There are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Why were these written? Do you remember? But these were written in chapter 20 that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you would have life in His name. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you, Father, for just the fact, God, that you never give up, you never tire, you never just, you're constantly patient, Lord, even when we go back to an old way of living, even when we fail, even when we mess up, you come to us just like you did to Peter, and you lay out, you know, this is what I'm looking for you, agapeo, but this is where you are, phileo. But God, you still called him, even though he fell short, even though he didn't measure up, God, you still said, take care of the children, take care of my sheep, the adult, watch over them and feed them all the word. God, you, you still had that desire. And you're calling us today and many of us today, Lord, we, we fall short. I don't know that I have everything that I need. I don't know that I measure up. But it doesn't change the call of God. 
Because when God calls us, he equips us. We couldn't have pulled that net to land, but when God told Peter to do it, he could. If we can't do it in and of our own strength, when God calls us, we can. So Lord, give us the willingness to do what Peter did. story doesn't tell us, but we know the rest of the story. Jesus said, follow me, and Peter followed him all the way to his own cross. For you must take up your cross daily and follow me. For us today, Lord, please, equip us, strengthen us, to walk the path that you have laid before each of us. Help us set aside fear. Help us set aside all those things that want to move us in a different direction. Help us, God, just simply focus on the fact that if you have called us, you have equipped us. We won't be equipped before the call. We will be equipped after. God, just guide and lead direct father as we seek to honor and glorify you in the lives that we live before you we lay this time before you god and we do pray sincerely on this day when we set it aside to remember the orphans of the world god tell us what our part is that we may be a part of the solution and father that we would realize we're not all called to do the same thing but we are all called to do something. So God, we lay this day before you and seek your blessing upon each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.